Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I have with me in studio my co-host, Chuck Nice. Hey, Neil. Love it when you're here, Chuck. I love being I here. I feel man. like we're old, we, 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 we go way back, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels that way. It I just don't feels know. That. Yes, I have that effect on people. I'm like a rash. <laughs> you feel very familiar. <laughs> so this is Star Talk, the Cosmic Queries edition. And today we are themed. We've solicited questions. Yes. Uh, some come in unsolicited. Solicited, and we pull those aside, right. and then we call for others. And when they fit, we match them up. Right. And so today, it's uh, our sun and other stars. Yes, and not not like Tom Cruise or Meryl uh, Streep, not I, those other I, unless stars. one of those slipped in. But we had stars in the universe before there were stars in Hollywood. Ah, just an FYI, just to let the people they know. took the name from us, not that, according to People Magazine. <laughs> that's why on Hollywood Boulevard, the shape is a star. Right? That's gotcha. what we that's got. Correct. Here, right? That is They're correct. Borrowing. Our word. Shine bright like a diamond. You That's know who else borrowed our word? Pulsar watches borrowed our word. That's right, Pulsar. Quasar. You remember Quasar? Quasar televisions. Brand? Yes. They borrowed. That's, we, we got that first. That's right. That's right. right. I'm trying to think of any other cosmic branding. Well, there's yeah. there's like Star, you know, Starkist, Oranges. Starkist. No, it goes on and don't get me started on that. Okay. No, no. There's like. And the, there's Sunkist. Sunkist, Starkist, Moonglow bath beads. Moon pies. Celestial seasonings. That's moon right. pie. Milky Way candy bar. Okay. Mars. You got me started, Milky Mars, candy bar. bar Mars the Chevy bar. Nova, except had they known that was a star that just blew up, they might not right, have. Not a, name, a good, not a good name for the car. Please okay. get to the, So anyway. All right. So uh, you got questions for me. I haven't yes, seen I these. Did. You haven't seen any of these questions, Cul- nor do you know what they are going to say. Cul- cul- culled from the internet and All other from sources. different sources. Might even have a couple of callers. That's good. Oh, that's great. So what do you got? Let's jump right into mm-hmm. it. And uh, let's kick it off at the beginning, okay? And this is from Christopher Lloyd on Facebook. He says, let's Christopher start- Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> As in an actor. Uh, all right. Christopher Lloyd wants to know, let's start at the beginning. How does something like the sun even form or come into being the way that it is? So in our in, in the current incarnation, how does that happen? Yeah, cool. Of course, this happens all the time. The, our galaxy has you know hundreds of billions of these things called stars. So nature has no problem making these things. And the star is made of gas, 100% of gas, and it comes from a gas cloud. We look th- Now, if we look through the galaxy and didn't find gas clouds... We would wonder where do these where are these things born? But we find gas clouds. Right. It's like looking around society and never seeing a pregnant woman, but you see babies all over. Right. You'd have to wonder where do babies come from? Do you know I feel the same way about pigeons? But anyway, <laughs> oh, because you don't see baby pigeons. I never pigeons. see baby pigeons. Yeah, you're not alone. It's one of the big mysteries of life. Where's the little pigeon? <laughs> Where's the little? They're pigeon? They're just they're just born whole. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the egg, it's a big pigeon. So either they're born quickly, or you know, so you have to ask the, these questions, but. Society does have pregnant women, and you can judge how long they're pregnant if you take snapshots of the culture. So that's what we do in the universe. We take snapshots of the galaxy at different times, and we find out there are places where there are huge gas clouds. Gravity is gathering the gas clouds into – it nucleates. If you get one part of a gas cloud that is slightly more dense than another, it wins. It's got more gravity than anywhere else, and then it attracts more gas. Then it has even more gravity. So it's like Mexican food. 
I, I can't. Yeah. I don't follow the analogy. I'm sorry. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> Help me out on that one. <laughs> well, you eat Mexican food, yeah. and it causes gas, which leads to more gas. Oh, I see. There you go. I missed that one. Sorry. That's okay. That, that would be the bean part of the Mexican food. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, if you have slightly more mass, slightly more density in your region of a gas cloud than another, you are more likely to condense first, and then you win that contest, and all the matter comes to you. Eventually, in the center... As the matter accumulates, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. It's under pressure. Ah. Gas clouds under pressure get hotter. And eventually, it triggers thermonuclear fusion and a star is born. Look at that. Thermonuclear fusion. There you got it. So it just gets hot. It bursts into flames. Bust like, open. I am so hot. I'm just going <laughs> bust into flames. Yeah, and it's thermonuclear. It's fusion energy. Right. It's not like fire energy. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's another kind of energy that you derive from the nucleus of an atom rather than from sort of molecules uh, right. breaking apart. Normal fire is just molecules breaking apart that have stored energy that releases it as fire. Right. This St is different. Stars. We say stars burn, but we don't mean burn. Right. We mean they're, they're, they're not on fire. They're thermonucleated. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yo, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's fa All right, All right, man. Where, where'd it go? Got? And that was Christopher Lloyd? That was Christopher Lloyd. Was that Lloyd? their actor, Christopher Lloyd? Uh, you know, it doesn't say, but I, let's just say it is. You know my favorite acting role of his? Most adults don't know this. Is? He was the hacker on Cyber, Cyber, Chase, Cyber Chase on PBS. That's right. He, but he had to have kids to know that. Christopher yeah. Lloyd is hacker, and uh, let's see, Gilbert Gottfried is his is the parrot. Yes. No, no, he's the, 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 the little duck. The little, little, yeah, the yeah. little bird. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Of course, Gilbert Gottfried would be the, the duck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's it's a show that uh, teaches mathematics and science to, to kids. Yeah, Fan yeah, I, yeah, that's how I know it because mm -hmm. I'm a child who needs to know about <laughs> mathematics. Hey, let's move on. All right, what do you got, uh, Jason Clow? This is uh, also from Facebook. This is Jason from do Facebook. Do they say where they're from? I like no. Yeah, they city. do. They do. What city? Um, oh no, he did not say well, where just he from is Facebook. from. Just okay. from Facebook. The city of Facebook. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> okay, this is what he wants to know: mm -hmm. What technological advances would be needed to prevent our sun from expanding, and how close are we to obtaining that technology? And he has dude, an example. Dude, we're, we're still pulling oil out of the ground. Oh, snap. <laughs> dude. Oh, snap. Dude, give that hope up. Oh. Yeah, you better like think. What, what, it was a follow-up? No, no, no. He was like, okay, like the Gravity Satellite and Doctor Who episode SO1EO2, <laughs> end of the world. Oh, that one. Yes. <clears throat> I'm going to say that this guy's a real ladies' man. <laughs> Just saying. He knows episode numbers from Doctor Who. You know he is slaying the ladies. All right. There is a way to prolong the life of a star. And if we were ever to do that for the sun, because our civilization would somehow outlive the life expectancy of most mammals, <laughs> the mammal life expectancy is about 3 million years. Okay. And on average, and we're a mammal, so right. unless we figure out a way to beat those odds, we're, we're toast for one reason or another after, on average, 3 million years. That's why I love talking to you. Always so uplifting. <laughs> the sun's got another 5 billion years left. So we'd have to prolong our lives until the sun is ready to die and then prolong the life of the sun. So one way to do that is it's got hydrogen in the center, converting okay. it to helium. Right. That's the thermonuclear fusion. There's a lot of hydrogen in the outer layers that never makes it to the center. 
So when the sun runs out of helium, it only runs out of helium in the center. And so what you need is a way to channel helium from the outer layers deep down into the center to give it fresh supply. You do that, the sun could live 100 billion years. Oh my God. No question about it. So you would basically just have to funnel helium back to the no, center. No, no, sorry, did I say helium? I meant hydrogen. Oh, hydrogen. Yes, hydrogen in the outer layers. Okay. Because it's converting hydrogen into helium. The, the, all these outer layers, you bring it back in, you prolong the life of the sun. Fascinating. More after this break. You're listening to Cosmic Queries. Star Talk. We'll see you in a moment. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History right here in New York City. I got with me in studio Chuck Nice Comic. That's right, at Chuck Nice Comic on Twitter. That's me. What I'm supposed to plug you. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, just uh, before the break, we talk about prolonging the life of the sun. Right. And all you have to do is churn fresh fuel, which lives in the outer layers down into the center. Right. And we know this works because there are stars that collide with one another. And when you collide, you, you mix your materials. And stars have a fresh birth simply because all the helium that it collected in the center as, as leftover uh, by product right. all gets mixed back into the star and fresh hydrogen shows up in the middle. And that's how, and then you have a new new life to the star. Now, it just seems to me if we have the power to prolong the life of the sun by churning its contents, we have the power to just move to another damn solar system. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we can do that, move to Mars or to Jupiter's moons, you know right. I mean? So there might be other options available than messing with the sun. But... Like making the Earth a spaceship and just actually leaving. Yeah, keep the whole Earth intact. Right. I hadn't thought and about that. And just take it someplace else. Cool. I mean, hey, if we can manipulate the sun, we can do that, right? You can do that, but you need an energy source en route. Gotcha. So you got to like get cozy until you get to another... Uh, 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 solar system. To that. I don't think that far ahead in life. <laughs> so we got right. another question. Yeah, this let's one... go to the phones, actually. And All we right. have on the phone mm -hmm. with us, Jared, who is a 16-year-old student. Jared, how are you? Jared on the line? Jared's on the line. Oh, uh, yeah. Jared, hello. Uh, Chuck, Chuck introduced you as a student, but as at age 16, I would assume you're a student somewhere. Otherwise, you're a truant dropout. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, I'm a student at North Quinnette High School in... Um, Sewanee, Georgia. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to Star Talk. Yeah, so what do you got? So, my question is um, in five billion years, when our sun begins to run out of hydrogen to fuse into helium, do you think that we will be able to prolong its life by somehow adding the planet Jupiter or any of the gas giants, for that matter, um, into the sun? Okay, yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, that's an excellent question. So, um, like in the previous segment, we talked about churning the sun, giving it a fresh supply of fuel. Of course, Jupiter and or Saturn are mostly hydrogen and helium. They have a similar composition to the sun itself. Really? So if you if you had a way to cram Jupiter down into the core, yes, you could prolong the sun even further. So, Jared, what do you have against Jupiter, man, if you want to <laughs> sacrifice it to the sun? Yeah, it would be a sacrifice, wouldn't it? Um, no, no, I like Jupiter, especially um, its moons and its and their uh, their potential for life. Yeah, the moons are where the action is. Like uh, uh, yeah. Europa and Io, all of these are kept warm by Jup the stress of Jupiter's gravity. Its tidal forces are keeping those moons warm well outside of the habitable zone. You know, there's that zone where right. it's just the right temperature for your liquid water to stay, stay liquid. liquid. Yeah, yeah, not too close. You freeze, not too far away. Jupiter's 
far enough to freeze, but it's got another energy source not dependent on the sun. So, uh, Jared, I'm glad you recognize Jupiter's moons in this. But so the general solution to prolonging the sun is try to get some fuel Fresh. down into the center. And you wouldn't have to bring a whole planet there because the, most of the sun's mass never participates in the thermonuclear fusion going on, going on in the core. So so Jupiter itself could it could work, but I'm betting that if we have if we're really powerful at solar and geoengineering, that it would be easier to sort of churn the sun's outer layers down into the middle than it would be to readjust Jupiter's orbit, lose a nighttime planet, lose the beautiful moons around it, right. just to prolong the sun a little longer. There you yeah. go. So we're gonna yeah. keep we're gonna keep the neighborhood the same. Keep the hood. We're keep gonna keep the hood the same, Jared. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, thanks for calling. All right. Buddy. Thanks, Jared. Jared. All right. All right. And uh, and 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 remember, nerds rule. Okay. All right, <laughs> yeah. All right buddy. Take care. All right. All right. No, oh, good. Yeah. So we got so there's some hope. There is hope. I love that. You've got high schoolers asking questions like that. We got hope for the world. Without a doubt. That right. makes me happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, what else you got there? Okay. Hey, let's go to Twitter right, right. now. And this comes from at Vincenzo. These are people who tweeted at Star Talk Radio. They, yes. they uh -huh. tweeted at Star Talk Radio and mm -hmm. asked a question. And this is Vincenzo. Vincenzo, 1023, at Vincenzo. Um, I bet he's born October 23rd. That's my guess. You know, that's a. I, I would never think that. Yeah. See, my I would say there are uh, one thousand twenty-two other Vincenzos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Uh -huh. How uh, or could you describe how big the sun would look in the skies of Mercury? So the way we see the sun, how would it look from another planet? Yeah, I, I don't have that off the top of my head, but I can calculate it. Okay, so we are uh, the Earth-Sun distance is one unit. Let's call it one unit. Call fact, it one unit. We call it one astronomical unit. It, it, we call, right? So that's how you get your way around, around the solar the sun, system, right? right? Okay. So uh, Earth is, by definition, one astronomical unit. Uh, Venus is 0.7 astronomical units. Mercury is 0.4 astronomical units. Okay. So Mercury is like half is, uh, you know, half uh, basically half, half the distance. If you if you're if you're half the distance to something, the, the thing is twice as big. Twice as big. Yes, it's basically. So the vantage twice. point would be a huge yellow ball. Well, huge. Twice as big. I right. mean, we can when we can quantify it. You don't need adjectives. Okay, it's twice as big. <laughs> I'm just saying. Thanks for making me feel smart. We we got adjectives because we can't quantify, right? This is true. I so, felt awesomely huge about that. Well, numerically, what was it? Right. I can't go there. So right. it would literally be twice as big. Yeah, a little bit more than twice, bit more as than twice as big. But here's what's devastating: uh, light, the intensity of light goes up not as the factor closer, but as the factor closer squared. So if you're oh. twice as close, then the intensity of sunlight will be four times as great. So Two the, squared is So four. the sun would be twice as big in the sky, but you'd never be able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be four times. Yeah, I mean, you'd be vaporized in the right. heat. Yeah, you'd have other issues than just wondering how big the sun is in the sky. Gosh, yeah. that is fascinating. Well, there you go, Vincenzo. There's your answer. Yeah. Uh, that is, the answer is, don't look at the sun when you're on Mercury. <laughs> and another, yeah. another issue is you can ask, how far away do you have to be for the daytime sky to be so dim that you can see the stars of night in the daytime? 
Okay. Uh, now, the question wasn't asked, but this reminds me of that. I've thought about this. All right. And if you get to like around Neptune, you're, that's far enough away so that if Earth were at Neptune, you'd see stars in the daytime. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. Because the sun would be so dim and so far away. Yeah, is that the same um, – um, I'm sorry. Is that the same premise as the moon being visible by day? Like sometimes by day you see like a full moon or a half moon in the sky. Okay. So two things, Chuck. Go ahead. You've never seen the full moon in the daytime. I have. No. <laughs> My vision is that good, Neil. Seriously. You may have seen... I've had, I've had LASIK surgery, sir. You may have been mooned in the daytime. It wasn't like the orb. The orb. The orb. All right. All right. So, so, no, but, so, so here's I'm the saying. thing. But apart from the full moon, which only comes out at night, every other phase of the moon appears at some time during the day. The moon is out in the day as often as it's out at night, basically. Okay. okay? So uh, contrary to what many people think is what's going on. But yeah, you'd be able to see. The moon comes out in the day, but it's not nighttime. Uh, uh, uh Neptune is 30 times as far away from the sun as Earth is, 30 AUs, the uh, astronomical units. So the sun would be 130th the size and 1 900th as bright. What? 30 squared. So basically Sweet. 1 1,000th one is bright. One thousandth. Yeah, and that's it's just another, it's just a light, yeah, a, a dim blip. light. In the, it's, it's a blip. Pin. It's, it's a, a pinhole in the sky. Blip. So now let me ask you a piece of trivia, and you'll tell, you say this full moon never comes out during the day. Never. So Ever. Ever? So Not on Earth, a solar no. eclipse? Would that be? A total solar eclipse, total is, solar eclipse is new moon. That's a new moon. Okay. You're looking at the backside of the moon, which is completely dark, because it's the other side that's lit up that's coming between you and the sun. You always have an answer, don't you? No. But <laughs> <laughs> Just because my answers sound like they need a snap at the end. All right, go. We All right, got like 90 on. seconds. We got before 90 seconds. Here we go. You got another one. Uh, go. You know what? Let me find a quick one. Are we just incredibly lucky to have a sun 400 times bigger than our moon and 400 times farther away? Uh, what are the odds of another star planet moon system out there having the same exact setup? It's luck. Oh, my God. Yeah, what he's asking is, during a total solar eclipse, right. the size of the moon is basically exactly the same. Same size the as size the sun. Of the sun. So it makes a beautiful, so it's, it makes for a beautiful eclipse watching. Right. But it has very little other meaning or value. Early in the history of the Earth, the moon was closer. Do you know the moon is spiraling away from Earth at about two inches per year? I, you told me that before. That's the only reason I know it. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so in the past, the moon was closer and bigger. Right. So for most of Earth's history, the moon was like much larger than the sun. Right. You still get eclipses, but you wouldn't get that beautiful sort of corona right. edge atmosphere of the sun glowing around the outside. Setting that mood lighting for the it's earth. It's so mood lighting yeah, for baby. four minutes a time. So it, it is complete coincidence that that's the case. And, and it won't forever be that way. Uh, as the moon continues to spiral away, it, one day it'll become smaller than the sun in all cases. So you'll get what's called an annular eclipse. An annular yes, eclipse. Yes, which is uh, uh, Latin, is it, for a uh, ring. An annulus is a ring. And so what happens is the moon doesn't completely cover the sun, and it leaves a ring of sunlight around the edge. It's, actually, it's also a beautiful thing to behold. Awesome. But you need filters and things to watch it. Awesome. There you go. We'll be back on Star Talk Radio, the Cosmic Queries edition. This is Star Talk Radio. We're back. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson with Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey. I just heard you just co-hosted The View. Yeah. Does this give you, like, women credit? Like, what do you... 
You know, I got to tell you, Neil, I don't believe anything will ever give me women cred, to be honest. Gloria Steinem could actually breastfeed me and I wouldn't have women cred. Uh, I know they allowed men to co-host. Is a special thing? Well, they do it on Fridays. Friday. And so they had a Guy Day Friday and I was the co-host for that, guy for day that Friday. particular Guy Day Friday. All right, I'll look for you. Yeah, yeah, All it was right. fun. All right, so we're, uh, these are Cosmic Queries yes. edition of Star Talk. So the whole hour is given totally unto questions from our fan base and the listener audience. Correct. And it comes through with our Facebook and all our social media outlets. And the theme today is our star, the sun, and uh, other and stars. other stars. Yeah, so let's do it. So yeah. what else? Yeah, I haven't seen these questions. You have first not I've... seen them. That's my favorite part of this. Is <laughs> it's that, first I've heard uh, them. Is that this is the first time you get to hear the questions. So it's like the people are actually asking you the questions. On the spot. And on the spot. Go for it. using me as a conduit. So here we are. This and is if for... I don't have an answer, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right, go. So this is Arlen Kundert. Mm-hmm. Arlen Kundert from Facebook wants to know, mm-hmm. are there solar systems of stars what I mean by this is, is there a system with an upper or a supermassive parent star with orbiting smaller stars, but with smaller stars having planets serving as moons? So each star in the parent system would have its own subsolar system. And no, Dr. Tyson, you can't just say, yes, we call them galaxies. Oh, and because you always want to know where we're from, I'm from Reynoldsburg, <laughs> Columbus, which is in Ohio, which... First of all, thanks for coming to Wright State in Dayton, Ohio, back in March. It was awesome to hear you speak in person. Please answer my question. <laughs> that was a whole, oh my gosh. So you knew I want to know where people come from. I'm always asking you, I don't know, it's just Facebook. Exactly. It's just, it's just Twitter. Oh, it's hilarious. So man, he's like covering your ass yes, on this. Yes, he is. Got me, got all right, me covered. So thanks, and I did give a talk at... at, at um, uh, in Ohio, that was a, that was a fun day that I spent there. Uh, so uh, they even took me to one of the local pubs. That's always a thing oh, yeah, to do. A, that's a thing in, to do in a college town. Absolutely. So, all right, at, at, but that was at like three in the afternoon. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I hear they got a lot of drinking problems in Ohio. Uh, all right, so. The, the way it works is, uh, if you look at the night sky, half of the stars you see aren't solo stars at all. They're double, multiple, triple, quadruple star systems. Really? Yeah. Even, for example, uh, the nearest star to the sun, Alpha Centauri. Yes. That's a multiple star system. Okay. The nearest star in that star system is called Proxima Centauri. That's right. Right. So you can have multiple star systems. If they are far enough away from one another then each one could then have its own planetary system. Not a problem. Gotcha. But if they are too close to one another, as the planet comes around the backstretch, right. its gravitational allegiance can be compromised. Ah, so it just doesn't know it doesn't which know. one do I belong to. It's like, who's to? your daddy? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I want to go with Proxima. <laughs> But I can't help myself. Alpha is just so sexy. <laughs> so you can't. So so you want a system that's far enough away so that the orbits are stable gotcha. and and gravitationally stable. It means you're not perturbed by somebody else tugging on you. So yeah, you can have these. We haven't discovered them yet. Right. But uh, and in any big large scale. But yeah. But we, it can happen. We, it definitely can happen. Yeah. Oh, fascinating! You got it. That is awesome. Okay. Thanks just, for that. I, I, I just love the the fact that we're going to have a uh, a solar system a soap opera. I love it. Uh, I it's love so 
it's a, it's a solar system of solar systems. It's a solar yeah. system of solar systems. Yeah, you got I it. love it. All right, here's something from Jared Connor, mm-hmm. also writing to us on Facebook. Dr. Tyson, can solar systems form in the intergalactic medium? If so, could there be planets in those solar systems with intelligent life? Ooh. So this person has vocabulary. Yes. Intergalactic medium. medium. All right. So what we have is between the planets, we call that interplanetary medium. Between the stars, interstellar medium. And then every collection of stars that we find is part of a galaxy. Galaxy? Then there's this void between the galaxies. Mm -hmm. Could we have stars there? Yes. But our best understanding of all this tells us that these are stars that may have been flung out of a galaxy, typically in a galaxy collision. They're really train wrecks when they happen. Right. And when they do, stars fly hither and yon. So they just escape the train they, wreck they and s- then they're on their own they way. They escape the train wreck and they're on their own. So they're rogue stars, basically. That's the word. They're rogue stars. Just the same way you can have planets wandering between the stars. Right. And we call them rogue planets. Okay. You can have rogue stars cast asunder after a, a galactic collision. And we have galactic collisions all the time. Uh-huh. And so uh, there's no reason why you couldn't. Yes. And these are stars that are basically homeless in a way. Oh. I know. Do they have signs that say, we'll shine for food? <laughs> they're, they're homeless. Homeless stars. Homeless, uh, galactic homeless stars. Yeah. So there's no reason to, but it's, it would be very hard to see them because uh, stars are not dim. Stars are too dim to give us enough light across intergalactic space for us to tell that they're there. Okay, so they're not staying still long enough for us to see? No, you can stay still, but you're one damn star in the middle of a void. Think about it. When you look out out of our galaxy, you need awesome telescopes to see only the brightest stars in other galaxies. Otherwise, it's the merged puddle of light from the 100 billion stars themselves. I got you. You're not picking them out one at a time. time. No, you are not. Ah. You're listening to Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition on our star, the sun, and the solar system. We'll be right back. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson in studio with Chuck Nice. Hey, Chuck. It's good to be here, Neil. Love you, man. We love you too, man. All right. This is the Star Talk Cosmic Queries edition. Right. And the topic is our sun and other solar systems. Absolutely. And we have a phone call. A phone Once again, another phoner. Okay. And on the line is Cat from the Boston area. Cat. Boston area. That's very nebulous, Cat. <laughs> what, 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 what's, all the cities around Boston have women's name. So are you from Beverly or Lynn or where are you from? Um, I'm from Somerville and I've never heard a woman named Somerville before. Yeah, neither have I. Okay. So you got me on that. <laughs> Somerville, that's the home, the original home yeah. of, uh, of what's the ice cream maker? Um, Ben and Jerry? The other one. Steve's Ice Steve's Cream. Steve's Ice Cream. Steve's Ice Cream was, the, the flagship store was in oh. Somerville, and I ate a lot. Of, I, I gained 30 pounds. Being being a Steve's there. Ice Cream. Yes. <laughs> right, so, Kat, what do you have? Somerville is Boston's stripper name, by the way, Kat. <laughs> okay. So, what do you have, Kat? Uh, my question is, basically, um, recently on Facebook, someone had posted asking, why are the effects of gravity um, shown as a funnel if there's no up or down? And you had mentioned that that's a 2D illustration of a four-dimensional phenomenon. So you read my but- Facebook page. 
Uh, I stalk it a little bit. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to no, lie no. to you. No one stalks anything a little bit. But I just answered that like yesterday or something. So thanks for, thanks yeah. for checking it out. Okay, yeah, go on. Yeah, no problem. So um, my question is just why then are galaxies and solar systems disc-shaped or on their own planes? Excellent question, and that plagued philosophers for centuries until the mid-1800s. Immanuel Kant. Hmm. Immanuel Kant. That doesn't sound good at all. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one of Siri's replies on the iPhone, if you ask her, Siri, what is the meaning of life? She says, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. Ah, what a joke. (laughs) Very existential of her. Totally existential of her. Of the iPhone, yes. So, uh, Immanuel Kant, and a few others, tried to ask the question and answer the question, how is it that the entire solar system, the planets and the moons, all orbit in a plane and they orbit in the same direction? Like, what are the odds? What are the odds? Yeah, all right. So, uh, what they hypothesized was something called Literally, the nebular hypothesis, which has borne out in, in the centuries of observations and data that we've taken since then. And basically, you start out with a massive gas cloud. Mm-hmm. It collapses. As you collapse, you begin to spin faster. Okay. This is like what happens with a skater draws in his or her arms. Right. What happens when that happens? They spin, spin faster. faster. That's what happens. So as you spin faster, in the plane of that spinning, mm-hmm. the material can't fall in. Because, like, the centrifugal forces prevent that. Right. Okay? Technically, they're centripetal forces. Centripetal, but, yes. Yeah, but because centrifugal is colloquial. Correct, yeah. right. So, so in, the, in the axis, uh, 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 in the sort of the equator of the spinning, it can't come in because of these centripetal forces. Correct. But top to bottom, it can collapse without hesitation. Right. So what you get is a flattened disk that where everything is orbiting in the same direction. Oh, my God. That makes Perfect sense. Exactly. That is awesome. All right, and so um, uh, so this dude figured this out in the middle 1800s, and it's been working ever since. Now suppose suppose you are moving very slowly in this, right. and you're not collapsing quickly. You can actually form stars that don't actually collapse into a disk. If you form star, here the reason why it sticks to a disk, it's because it's made of mostly gas right. at the beginning, and gas can't pass. through through itself any more than one hot marshmallow can pass through another hot marshmallow what happens when two hot marshmallows hit you get a bigger hot marshmallow that's all well they stick yes they stick and become a bigger one so so when you have a gas cloud collapsing it sticks to itself in the plane and it doesn't collapse within the plane it stays flat everything else collapses pancake style to it do you know our our galaxy is flatter than a pancake it's as flat as a crepe, actually. A crepe. A crepe. <laughs> we have a delicious galaxy. <laughs> we are 100,000 light years across and about 100 light years thick. So we are a 1,000 to 1 ratio thickness to um, diameter. Wow. And that's basically a crepe. So, yeah, it's a little- Not a pancake. Yeah, it's not a pancake. Not a, yeah, it's yeah. a crepe. So, so, Kat, you okay? You, are we square? Oh, yeah. My mind is blown. Yeah, that was a great uh, okay. answer, man. Everyone's uh, mind should be blown daily. Yes. So have some <laughs> galaxy for breakfast tomorrow. Every time I eat a crepe, I think of our galaxy, That's actually. awesome. You got it. Thanks, Kat. Thank you. All right. Man. Chuck, we got like 20 seconds. You got a quick one there? Let me see. Here's a very quick one. Before our last segment, go. What would happen if a cubic centimeter of matter was instantly transported from the center of the sun to the Earth's surface? 
Bang. Oh, there's some misinformation out there that somehow we would all vaporize. No, it just mixed with the atmosphere, cool down, and it'd be slightly hotter in that area. The answer is nothing. We <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cubic center of the sun is not actually that much material. Remember, it's made of gas. When we come back, the final segment of Cosmic Queries, Star Talk. We're back for our final segment of Star Talk Radio's Cosmic Queries edition. I still like to think of it as Star Talk After Hours. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, these are questions called from the internet. In the last segment, someone asked about a cubic centimeter from of the center of the sun brought to Earth. Yes. I think they're worried like Earth will explode or something. Right. Turns out that cubic centimeter will be 10 million degrees. That's hot. That is hot. No bow to doubt it, okay? But here's, and in the sun, it was undergoing fusion. If you bring it to Earth, it's no longer under pressure. Mm. That pressure is what contains it, what sustains it, what feeds it. You bring it to Earth, it'll heat up the surrounding atmosphere, but it's not going to bring fusion to it. You lost the pressure. It'll come into equilibrium with the atmosphere. Right. And it'll be hot in that area briefly. It'll radiate and, away. And it's that'll be it. Not even a thing. That, there you go. Not and even a not thing. Not a thing. So, Chuck, we, we, a new tradition we have uh, in the final segment is the lightning round. That's what it is. And we have a bell for it. You that, have the bell. There it goes, and, okay? And I will answer every question as a sound bite. Correct. So, so we can cram, because I take so long on, on all the other segments, try to pack in as many questions as we have. All okay. right. Are, Are you, you ready? ready? I am ready, sir. Go for it. Okay, here we go. This is from Lewis Moses on Facebook. Do dust clouds around stars cause electrical storms? Uh, electrical storms in the, around the star, it's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's what happens. The sun stars, the sun in particular in this case, uh, gives off what we call a solar wind, which are charged particles. And those particles can enter a dust cloud and ionize the dust cloud or excite it and possibly have it um, uh, trigger a phenomenon similar to what we have on Earth, like our aurora. Right. So maybe it maybe there's aurora in nearby dust clouds to stars. I haven't thought it through, but it's certainly possible. There you go. You got it. Next. All right. This is from Marta Secreca. Marta. Marta. Mm -hmm. What do we know of the star that exploded to give material to form our solar system? Nice. I would love to name it. Oh, do you name something that's dead? Yes. Long gone and dead that we can't find anywhere. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's dead and gone. Right. Actually, so, my great grandmother had a name. Oh, no, I have to go great great because I actually knew my great grandmother. So, well, it's not. So, five billion years ago, there was a star that exploded, created enrichment, iron, nickel, you know, um, nitrogen, oxygen. A lot of the things we find on Earth and in our bodies were forged in a star that came right before us. Uh, yes, it gave its life for, for us, and that's a good thing. Um, and uh, no, sure, go ahead and name it, but yeah. we have no idea where, what, where the remains are. Most of it is just completely gone. Well, it some, died. Of it is, some of it is in, in us ourselves. Okay, well, it died for us. Let's call it Jesus Star. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> the Jesus Star. The Jesus Star. All right. Here we go. All right, let's move on. This is from Sarah Ashley Colding. Will the sun burn out before or after? After we collide with Andromeda. Ooh, this is a cool one. So that the sun cool will burn one. out in like 
five billion years. And we'll, now the collision with Andromeda is not an overnight thing. We are two huge systems and we'll start falling towards one another, distort. That'll happen between five and seven billion years from now. So the death of the sun should be our highest priority, not the collision not with the, the Andromeda collision with galaxy. Andromeda. Bang! Yes. Nicely done. All right. Okay. Um, this is from Dennis B. via email. Oh, by the way, people might not have known that we're on a collision course with another that, galaxy. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that, that's... Sorry, I forgot to yeah, like... That's some information say, that... Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, it, and you're saying that it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, but we have other issues before then. All right, right. go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been a player, pleasure playing with you. It's like the Titanic. <laughs> All right. Here we go from Dennis B. via email. If the sun were to disappear in an instant, how quickly will we on Earth know about its gravity-wise? Eight minutes and 20 seconds. Next. <laughs> if the sun disappeared, we would not know about it at all. We would still orbit. We would still feel its gravity. We would still feel its heat and warmth and light for eight minutes, eight minutes and, 20 and 20 seconds. seconds. Then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> what a great movie. We fly off, into, and there's no way you could have known about it because that information is moving at the speed of light and, oh my from the absence of a sun to the radius of our orbit. Oh, that is fantastic. You got it. Okay. Next. This is from Kelly Smith. By the way, if you can do the math, the speed of light divided into the distance from the sun to the earth, you get eight minutes and 20 seconds. And the answer Go. is, I can't do the math. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Kelly Smith uh, from Facebook wants to know, wow, okay, I don't know if we could do this in a soundbite, but I'm going to give it to you. How are neutron stars formed? What is their life cycle? Ooh, so a white dwarf star, which is the sort of the first stage of the death of a star, our sun will become a white dwarf, is held up by what's called electron pressure. Okay. Electrons can't get it too close to one another. They'll separate. Right. All right. It's called electron pressure, electron degeneracy pressure. But you you can over, overcome that, but you can't be an electron if you overcome it. You can overcome the electron pressure by cramming the electrons into the protons that are in the nucleus. Gotcha. You cram a negative charge and a positive charge, what do you get? Ah. Uh. Beautiful fireworks. <laughs> you get a neutron. The the charges cancel, and that's how you make a neutron star, cramming electrons up the butt of a proton. And so then you get a neutron star far more dense than than a than, than a white dwarf ever was. In fact, one cubic centimeter would weigh weigh as much as thirty a herd of thirty billion elephants. You had me at cramming up the butt. <laughs> We got to run. This has been Cosmic Queries edition of Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. Thanks, Chuck. Nice Thank for you. being here. Funded in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation, keeping us going. Nice. Thanks to all the listeners for believing in what we're doing. We'll see you next time, Star Talk Radio. As always, keep looking up. 